Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, before we do get started, I do want to let you know this program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. And this is the last uh, podcast we'll be doing listener support, and uh, you can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net. And you can also become one of our Patreon uh, supporters, patreon.greatdetectives.net, and support us with uh, from any amount with... T- uh, from $2 a month up or more. If we hit $600 before April 1st, uh, we will do a special summer podcast series, uh, separate from our normal podcast, that our Patreon listeners will uh, decide. We could do a comedy series, such as uh, It's Higgins, Sir, or we could do Orson Welles's uh, presentation of Le Miserable. Or we could just uh, take a few weeks spin through the wonderful world of radio. And we might add another option or so, but it's all going to be up to our Patreon listeners. And again, uh, in order to have it this summer, we need to hit this milestone by the end of this month. So, uh, patreon.greatdetectives.net. Um, and thanks so much for Mimi, who became a supporter at the uh, Shamus level. Thanks so much for your support. Uh, well, now it's time for today's episode of Dragnet, the original air date, February 22nd, 1951, and the title is The Big Couple. Ladies and gentlemen, Crime Prevention Week, now being observed nationally, is designed for one purpose, to emphasize that crime is your personal enemy, costs money and lives, it weakens the moral and physical strength of your community. Show your respect for the law by cooperating with your police officer 52 weeks a year. Join the fight to stamp out crime, the ally of treason. The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to bunco detail. A husband and wife confidence team has shifted operations to your city. Their criminal record dates back 17 years. They're masters in the art of swindling. Your job? Get them. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, April 20th. It was windy in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of Bunko Detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Captain McCauley. My name's Friday. We were on the way out from the office, and it was 10.35 a.m. when we got to the Holy Gospel Tabernacle. The pastor's house. Look at that palm tree. Yeah. Windstorm sure didn't do it any good. It was really blowing last night. Woke me up a couple of times. Yeah, not me. I slept like a baby. 
What'd you say the name here was, Olson? Yeah, got it right here. Uh, Reverend Andrew Olson. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem to be anybody at home. I'll try it again. Mm-hmm. Huh? We said on the phone he'd either be here or at the church. Where's that? Just around the corner, faces on South Spring. Not a very wealthy-looking neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There must be the church up there. Huh? Mm-hmm. Sure could stand a coat of paint. Grounds are well-kept, aren't they? Nice flower beds. Look at that. Giant pansies. Tried some in the backyard last year. Too bad. What do you mean? Giant snails. I sliced them right off at the roots. That must be him up at the front, huh? Better close the door, huh? Oh, oh, yeah. Come on. Uh, Excuse me, sir. Oh, didn't see him. You the Reverend Olson? Yes, can I help you? My name's Friday, Reverend. I talked to you on the phone. Oh, yes, Sergeant. And this is my partner, Sergeant Romero. How do you do? How are you? Good night. Sergeant Merrill? No, that's Romero, Reverend. Oh, excuse me, Romero. Didn't expect you so soon. A little busy here fixing the pulpit. It happened last Sunday. What's that, Remy? I guess I got carried away with my sermon. Quite a commotion. Oh? I leaned forward in the pulpit. This whole section here just splintered and broke right off. Ruined my whole sermon. Well, I can finish this up later. Have a chair there, officers. No, I thank you very much. There it is, Sergeant. The names, descriptions. Mr. and Mrs. Tom Herbert. That's the name they used, anyway. Mm-hmm. Would you mind briefing us on how it happened, Reverend? When did you first meet this couple? They came to us a little over a month ago. Didn't have any reason to be suspicious. Mr. Herbert showed me some fine references. I didn't think it was necessary to check them. What kind of approach did they use, could you tell us? On the first visit, Mrs. Herbert did most of the talking. She told me she and her husband wanted to write a history of our church. It was supposed to be part of an historical book on all the churches in the county. Naturally, I felt a little flattered about it. Mm -hmm. Did this Mr. and Ms. Herbert make any demands for money or to write about your church, I mean? Oh, no, no. There was no money involved at first. They said all they wanted was our cooperation in doing some of the research work. You know, looking up dates, names, things like that. Oh, I see. They seemed very sincere, both of them. Didn't drink, smoke. They worked very hard during research and writing. I don't know why they had to change. Would have been nice having history written about our church. Yes, sir. When did they first bring up the idea of money? Well, Mr. Herbert came to me one day and showed me this letter. It was supposed to be from the people who were going to publish the history of our church. Letter said, well, because of certain business reasons, the whole thing was off. They couldn't publish the book. Mr. Herbert acted very sorry. Mm-hmm. Did he leave that letter with you, Reverend? No, he took it with him. Mm-hmm. I felt badly about the whole thing. They're doing all that work and then the book not being published. Mm-hmm. Well, did the Herberts broach the idea of you and the church putting up the money to print the book? Well, no, not exactly, but I guess they gave me the idea. How do you mean? They suggested that I talk it over with the church board, so I did. Hmm. We all agreed it would be a shame to give up the idea of the book after so much work had gone into it. Is that when you agreed to finance the book? Well, the board and I did, yes. It's all my fault, though. I helped to persuade them. And the money came out of church funds, is that it? As a matter of fact, it didn't. 
We only have a small operating fund, so you can see we're a small church. Congregation isn't wealthy. And where'd the money come from, sir? Well, for one thing, the ladies of the altar society put on a Sunday afternoon ham dinner. It made some money, and then the Herbert suggested we help sell advertising to pay part of the cost, so we did that, too. It still wasn't enough. Well, exactly how much did you turn over to the Herberts? $804.61. I had to borrow 350 from the bank to make it. It'll all have to be paid back. People who paid for their advertising, too. It'll all have to come out of our pocket. It's a terrible thing. Yes, sir, it is. Terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. I hate to ask congregation for it. Their offerings have always been so generous, and they're not wealthy either. They're just working people. Well, when was the last time that you heard from this Mr. and Mrs. Herbert, Reverend? A week ago, I guess. Yes, it was last Monday. I got anxious and called them at their hotel. It's on South Grand. I can give you the address. They told me when the books would be ready. It said it would be on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the last I heard of them. No forwarding address? No other place that you think we might find them? No, I'm sorry. Just don't have any idea. So hard to believe anyone would do such a thing to us. Yes, sir. Wonder if we could have the address of their hotel. Yes, all right. If you'll come with me, I have it over at the house. Did uh, Mr. and Ms. Herbert have a car? Do you know, Reverend? I don't think so. If they did, I never saw it. I don't know what I'm going to tell the congregation. Eight hundred dollars—that's a lot of money to our people. Yes, sir. Tell me, Sergeant. I don't mean to be uncharitable, but Mr. and Mrs. Herbert. Do they have a criminal record? Have they done this sort of thing before? Well, their descriptions seem to fit a couple that we've been looking for. They've been working the churches in this area on and off for a couple of years now. Can't understand why they do such a thing. It's almost like robbing a poor box. Yes, sir, they've done that, too. 11.15 a.m., we went back to the city hall and pulled a package on the suspects, Mr. and Mrs. Tom Herbert. They were a veteran man and wife confidence team who'd worked the Los Angeles area and other large cities around the country. Their specialty seemed to be swindling churches and clergymen. Over a period of 17 years, they'd piled up a long record involving frauds and various bunco games, but they'd only been brought to trial once. The case had been dismissed for lack of sufficient evidence. 11.35 a.m., we took mug shots of Mr. and Mrs. Herbert out to the Reverend Olson, and he identified them. We checked the hotel on South Grand where they'd been staying. No leads. We got out a local broadcast and an APB on them. Together with the sheriff's office, we sent a special bulletin about the Herberts to the pastors of the different churches in the city and county. From the list of names on the mama sheet, we began checking out all the known friends and relatives of the suspects. One of them was a Clyde Harris, proprietor of a physical culture school out in the Wilshire district. 1 p.m. Tuesday, we drove out to talk to him. Which way, Joe? Right down the street, the blue and white sign is. Oh, yeah. Venus School of Physical Culture. I can make you an all-American girl, Clyde Harris manager. Hmm. Looks like the office here. No, we're supposed to meet him in the gym. That's next door. Oh. Yeah, here. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. It's back this way, I guess. Oh! 
minute. No, I'm sorry, Mrs. Tollison. You're doing it wrong. Your pelvis is all out of position. Excuse me, are you Clyde Harris? Yes, did you want something? Uh, police officers, Mr. Harris, like to talk to you? Oh, yeah, officer. Could you hold on half a minute? Sure, go right ahead. Uh, Francis, Francis, would you take over here for a few minutes? I have to talk to these gentlemen. Ladies, Francis is going to count for you for a while. You go right ahead with the lesson. I'll be back in a few minutes. Back here, officers. Won't take too long, will it? No, sir, just a few minutes. Sorry to interrupt your lesson. That's all right. I just don't want to have the ladies thinking I neglect them. They pay good money for these exercises. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here you are. Have a chair. Thank you. You said something about Tom Herbert on the phone, Sergeant. What's it all about? We understand that you're a friend of the Herberts, Mr. Harris. Yeah, I knew Tom and Doris a couple of years back. Haven't seen much of them lately. When was the last time you saw them? Let's see. Must be two, three months anyway. Anything wrong? Well, do you know where we could locate them? I don't know for sure. Last time I saw them, they were at a hotel downtown in South Grand, I think. You know, South Grand, right near Pico. You have no idea where they moved when they left there? No, I didn't even know they'd moved. They haven't phoned or contacted you at all in the last month or so? No, not a word. They're not in a jam again, are they? We'd like to talk to them, that's all. Would would you know of any of their favorite spots around town, eating, drinking places? No, I don't think I could say. They got around quite a bit. You checked with some of their other friends around town, the Pattons, the Thompsons, Mike Runyon? What was that last one? Mike Runyon, very good friend of the Herberts. Ben? No, I don't recall the name. Well, how could we get in touch with this Runyon, Mr. Harris? He's got a phone. Come on in the office. We'll call him if you like. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll get Mike on the line for you introduce you. Uh, would you mind talking to him, Harris? Don't tell him it's for us. Just ask if he knows where the Herberts are. Would you mind? Yeah, all right. Maybe. Hello, Mike. Clyde Harris, Mike. Yeah, how are you? Fine. Fine? Yeah, long time. Say, Mike, you any idea where Tom and Doris Herbert are? Mm-hmm. Is that right? How about that, huh? No, you don't. No, that's okay. It's not important. Sure thing, Mike. Make it soon, huh? Right. Goodbye. Yeah. No, he doesn't know where the Herberts are staying. Saw him a week ago out in Hollywood, though. Says they're doing fine. How do you mean? Ran into him outside that big church on Hollywood Boulevard. They told Mike all about it. They really got religion. That's so? Yeah. They're even writing a book about the church. We called back Mike Runyon, a friend of the suspect, and he gave us the location of the church where he'd seen Mr. and Mrs. Herbert. Ben and I drove out there and talked to the pastor, Reverend John Kenworth. We showed him the Herbert's mugshots, and he identified them. They were going under the name of Williams, and supposedly they were writing a book about the history of the church. To cover publishing expenses and research, more than $1,000 from Perry's contributions had been placed in a separate account at a local bank. Reverend Kenworth told us that it was a special joint account, and the Herbert's had access to it. Ben got on the phone and called the bank. How's that? Yes, yes, sir. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, all right, thank you. What did they say? The two of them were in the bank yesterday. They didn't draw out everything. How much did they leave? Three dollars. Ben and I checked with the teller at the bank and showed him mug shots of Mr. and Ms. Herbert. He identified them as the couple who'd withdrawn the church funds. We went to the hotel address the suspects had given to Reverend Kenworth. They'd checked out two days before. The search went on. Two weeks passed. We ran out of leads. No further reports on the couple. A month went by. Tuesday, May 23rd. We got an APB from San Francisco on a couple answering the Herbert's description. They were still working the church angle. 
During the next six weeks, we got reports on them from Washington, Oregon, Nevada, and Northern California. In Sacramento, they apparently changed their M.O. for the first time. They started selling phony health insurance policies. They promised everything, and they had a lot of takers. One of the big selling points was a clause which promised full protection if anybody in the family should come down with polio. From Sacramento, they headed south to Oakland, and then to Fresno. On July 10th, the complaints started to come in, and we knew the Herberts had moved into Los Angeles with their health insurance racket. One of the first victims was a Carl Fogarty. He lived out in the Westlake area. There's a policy they gave me, sorry. Apex Health Insurance. Not worth the paper it's printed on. When did they sell you this, Mr. Fogarty? You remember? Uh, three weeks ago, I guess. Never would have known it was phony if my boy hadn't come down with polio. How's he getting along? Not too good. Right leg. He's got it bad there. It's not as if we don't have enough grief. We got to lose out on this bum insurance. You mind if I take a look at that policy, sir? No. Go ahead. Here you are. Thank you. Hey. Yeah, same outfit, Joe. Apex Health Insurance. Same phony address. Yeah. Would you remember the man who sold you this, do you think? I think I would, yeah. I wonder if you'd mind looking through these pictures, Mr. Fogarty. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Just look at them carefully, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one. That's him. I remember. Who's he? His name's Herbert. When he came in to sell you this policy, was he alone? Yeah, he was. And a real good sales talk. How much did you pay for the insurance? Well, let me see. $43 and some odd cents. I remember that because I cashed him a war bond and I took $5 out of the rent money. Outside of this policy here, you have no other papers that the man might have given you? No, nothing but this business card here. Mm -hmm. He gave me that. You see here, the same name, Apex Health Insurance. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Fogarty. We hope your little boy pulls out of it all right. Yeah, thanks. Uh, here's our card, sir. Is there anything we can do? Give us a call. Sure, okay. About time we check the office, huh? I think so. Do you have a phone here, Mr. Fogarty? Oh, yeah, Sergeant. Uh, straight back in the hall there. Help yourself. Thank you very much. Two five seven two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Fred. Joe Friday. Anything for us in the book? West 7th. Yeah, okay. Right. Thanks, Fred. Anything doing? It looks pretty good. Office got a call from a printing shop out on West 7th. The manager's got an order he's not too sure about. How do you mean? It's for a batch of letterhead stationery. Business cards. Yeah? For who? Apex Health Insurance. listening to Dragnet for the step-by-step -step solution to tonight's authentic case history. Wednesday, July 10th, 4 p.m. Ben and I drove back downtown to the printing shop on West 7th Street and talked with the manager. He told us that the order for stationery and business cards for the Apex Health Insurance Company had been placed two days before. He said he'd become suspicious after reading a story in one of the newspapers about the polio insurance fraud. He also said that the customer who'd ordered the stuff was a woman. She told him that she would call and pick up the order on Friday. We showed the manager a handful of mug shots. He could give us only a partial identification of Mrs. Herbert's picture. 
We called the office, told them we were going on stakeout, and arranged for a relief. Ben and I spent the rest of Wednesday and all day Thursday and Friday in the rear of the print shop, where we could keep an eye on everyone entering the place. Friday, 6 p.m., no sign of the Herberts, not a trace. Saturday, the same, no sign of either one of them. Monday, more waiting. The suspects stayed away. Tuesday, 3.30 p.m., I went out the rear door, went down the street and got some cigarettes, and then I headed back for the print shop. Ben? Keep your coat on, Joe. Just called the office for a relief. Why, what's he doing? That Clyde Harris, friend of the Herberts, the guy who runs the physical culture school. Yeah, what about him? He called the office, wanted to talk to us. I phoned him out there at the gym. Yeah? He told me he was out drinking last night, and he met Mrs. Herbert at a bar. She was alone. Did he tell you where to find her? The Greenwood Apartments, 603. When the relief men arrived, Ben and I left and drove across town to the Greenwood Apartments on Taylor Street. It was a three-story frame building set back from the sidewalk behind a sloping lawn lined with a box hedge. We checked the names on the mailboxes. The name T.J. Bronson was listed for apartment 603. We rang, but there was no answer. Better try the manager, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's a nice place. Insurance racket must be paying off for him. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Can I help you? Yes, sir. You the manager here? That's right. Thatcher's my name. Can I help you? Police officers, Mr. Thatcher. We're trying to locate the people in 603. Oh, that crazy woman tried to blow up the place last night. Why? What do you mean? Mrs. Bronson, she came in drunk about 2 a.m. No sense at all. About 3 a.m., the folks in 601 called me and they said they smelled gas. I went up there and found her in the kitchenette. I'd like a light gas stove turned on, going full blast. Crazy. Where's her husband? Couldn't say. Chasing around again, I think. Hadn't been home in a week. Lucky I got to that gas before somebody lit a match. You say it happened about three this morning? That's right. Crazy woman. She'll be all right, though. Where is she now? Do you know? Yeah, County Hospital. 4.25 p.m. Ben and I got in touch with the office and arranged for a stakeout at the Herbert's apartment. We called homicide and checked on the attempt suicide report. They informed us that the woman had been taken to the psycho ward, County Hospital. We went over to the hospital, checked at the main desk, and identified ourselves. The nurse on duty had us shown to the ward where the suspect, Doris Herbert, was confined. She was a halfway attractive woman in her late 40s. Short, bleach blonde hair, dark eyes with deep circles under them. She turned and looked up as we stopped beside her bed. Excuse me, you Doris Herbert? Uh, Is your name Doris Herbert? What do you want? Police officers, we'd like to talk to you for a minute. Uh, I knew you'd be around, I don't care. Ma'am? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the whole rotten thing. I knew you'd come. I just have a few questions, ma'am. It won't take long. Go ahead. I don't care. Did you find him yet? You mean your husband? He's not my husband. Not anymore. Him and that cheap girl behind my back sneaking around. Twenty years we've been happy and he throws me away. Where's your husband now, Miss Herbert? With her. He's been with her a week. He doesn't even care I'm here. Twenty years ago he cared. I found him, taught him something. I taught him everything he knows. This girl that your husband's with, where does she stay, do you know? Yeah, an apartment. It's on Franklin, right on the corner, Franklin and Laurel. You were close, weren't you? You knew it was us. What's this girl's name? Marie Daly. I saw her with him. Tell me something. Yeah? You know it was us, Tom and me, the insurance? Yeah, we knew it was you. I didn't like it. It wasn't a clean game. Tom's idea. 
We made money, but I didn't like it. It wasn't clean. All right, Miss Herbert, we'll talk to you later. No, not me. I'm going to die. I'm going to die and forget all about it. Just be sure and get him, won't you, Tom? I tell him everything he knows. Get him. You're sure about the address? Yeah, I'm sure. Tell me something. Hmm? Why do you have to do it to me? Throwing me away, lying, taking that cheap girl. Why do you do it to me? Well, you ought to have an idea. Huh? You taught him everything he knows. Before we left the hospital, we made arrangements to have Doris Herbert transferred to the prison ward. 5 p.m., we drove out to the apartment house at Franklin and Laurel and checked with the landlady. She told us that Tom Herbert's girlfriend, Marie Daly, had checked out of her apartment the day before. She said the Daly girl had a middle-aged man with her. We showed the landlady Herbert's mugshot, and she identified him as that man. She had no forwarding address on her, but she did remember the name of the express truck that called to pick up the Daly girl's baggage. We checked with the express company and found that the trunks had been taken to the Lockheed Air Terminal. We started calling the airlines. 6.30 p.m., we finally got a report that a man answering Tom Herbert's description had booked passage for two on a flight to Mexico City. The plane was scheduled to leave at 8.35 that night. Ben and I drove out to the airport and went on stakeout. 8.15 p.m., we waited. 8.20, no sign of them. United Airlines mainliner flight 649 from Denver and Intermediate Cities. Now Getting a little late, huh? Yeah, it's 824. They're cutting it close. Going in the bar, Joe. Take a look. Yeah, that's them. Let's go. Not hard to spot. What's the matter with the girl? Looks pretty drunk. All right, come on. Bourbon and water, huh, Marie? Is that what you want? Bourbon and water, yeah. We got much time. We don't want to miss that plane. We won't miss it. You, Tom Herbert? Yes, what is it? Police officers like to talk to you downtown. Just a minute. This must be some kind of mistake. No mistake, Herbert. We talked to your wife. Let's go. Where is it, Tom? What do they want? Nothing. It's a mistake. Now, look, officers, I don't know what this is all about, but we have to get a plane. The 835. I can't go downtown with you. Can't we talk it over here? I'm sure we can straighten this out. Your wife copped out, Herbert. Now, let's make it easy, huh? Come on, lady. What's he talking about, Tom? A wife? What does he mean? I told you it's a mistake. Now, be reasonable, huh, officer? All we want to do is take a trip. We've been planning on this. New clothes, new luggage. Here's your hat. Our car's outside. It's a mistake. You can't do this. We planned on it. We've been waiting a long time for this. Yes, sir. So have we. Come on, let's go. story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On October 28th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 88, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. Mr. and Mrs. Tom Herbert were tried and convicted on several counts of grand theft. They are now confined in the state penitentiary for the term prescribed by law. Grand theft is punishable by confinement for not less than one, nor more than ten years. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. David Harding, Counterspy, solves an exciting case next on NBC. Hi, my name is Jeff Egan. I'm the executive director at Joy of Living Camp and Retreat Center. 
A week at summer camp is a transforming life event for children and youth that's out of reach financially for a great many families. Since 1993, Joy of Living Camp has been providing a Christian camp experience for needy children without regard to their family's financial circumstances. But we've never done it alone. We need your help to leverage the power of camp in the life of a needy child. Please visit thejoyofliving.org forward slash radio to find out how it is done and how you can help. That's thejoyofliving.org forward slash radio. Welcome back. Well, kind of an interesting uh, Crime Prevention Week episode. The idea of the episode uh, seems to be uh, to just basically show how a crime went down and how people were conned. Uh, so that you can prevent uh, being taken in by a similar scam. And it's interesting that what ultimately brought them down wasn't so much the work for the police, but the uh, unfaithfulness of the husband of the duo. Uh, I should mention that I did have this episode, The Big Couple, um, when I was getting prepared to listen to it, uh, confused with another uh, similarly titled uh, episode, The Big Pair, but that's coming up uh, later on. Well, now we turn to listener comments and uh, feedback, and uh, we start with Brian, who writes, uh, regarding uh, Dragnet, uh, I'm a little behind listening to the episodes. Really looking forward to this one, uh, the big cast. The video version was great. I have to admit, I have so much more respect for Jack Webb. I was a kid when I used to watch the Dragnet reruns, and to a kid, they seemed a bit dated and corny. I actually feel myself tear up on some of the uh, radio episodes. Very powerful. Uh, thanks so much. And then I also have an email from uh, 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 Doc Corbin who writes, uh, As is the case with some other listeners, I was never a, f a big fan of Dragnet either on the radio or TV. However, you've gotten me hooked on the radio version of Dragnet. These days, I never miss an episode. As for the big cast, I realize that police procedures have changed over the years, but it was difficult for me to understand why uh, Jack and Romero fed the uh, murderer Henry Ross meals outside the police headquarters, given they were almost certain he was a serial murderer, and he had resisted arrest to the point of uh, fighting with the pair in his boarding house room, I kept expecting him to try to escape uh, during those outings. I would think the captain would not have looked very kindly uh, if that had happened. Uh, in any case, it was a great episode. I look uh, forward to hearing more from the series. Keep up the great work. Um, well, And uh, thanks so much for the email, Doc. Um, and it really is gratifying to receive these sort of emails that, you know, in terms of bringing, you know, what uh, is really one of my all-time favorite series and uh, making it uh, available in a way that people are able to appreciate and enjoy it when they hadn't before. So I'm glad we're get, giving people a, a second look at uh, Jack Webb and his, you know, fantastic work on Dragnet. In regards to the scene in the restaurant, I think they had a sense that he was ready to confess. And uh, if they had not taken him out to eat, it would have probably delayed them getting the confession. As it was, they were armed. He wasn't. It was a health food uh, restaurant. And so they took whatever slot risk there could be from taking him into public. And the fact that they had to eat the food. 
uh, and decided it was worth it um, in order to uh, bring about the confession. So that was my interpretation. It was just a way uh, to meet his condition so that he would uh, uh, finally open up and talk. Um, but thanks so much for the email. And then uh, we have an email here from uh, Cameron. Uh, hello, I'm a Trent. Tremendous Dragnet fan and believe it is the most sophisticated program ever to be produced on radio and was way ahead of its time. Being new to podcasts, I recently discovered and have been enjoying your past Dragnet podcast for several weeks on my Android phones and tablets via podcast app. A friend of mine who uses an iPhone told me about your app, so I was excited to uh, try it, but I discovered to my huge disappointment that there is no Android app. Is an Android app uh, forthcoming? I hope so. I would be happy to try it when it's available. I don't mean to sound anti-Apple, but Android is the most uh, used mobile operating system in the U.S. 52 to 43%. Um, well, in answer to the uh, question on the app, uh, there is an Android app available. It is not available in the Google uh, Android store for reasons uh, beyond my control. You can get the app through the Amazon App Store, which means downloading the Amazon App Store onto your Android uh, device. I used to have a non-Amazon um, or non-Kindle uh, tablet, and I was able to do this, so it's uh, certainly uh, doable, and that's how you're able to get the app, is through the Amazon App Store. So you buy it through the Amazon App Store, and then you're able to install it on your device. Uh, he continues, uh, thanks for uh, all your hard work on editing out the Fatima and Chesterfield ads. They never bothered me in terms of the content. I consider them an important and interesting insight into the social mores and attitudes of the time, just as other parts of OTR programming, whether they be in delicate terms used or racist and sexist attitudes. They're part of our history, and I think it helps to put uh, into perspective how far we've come, since there are so many other outlets to hear the Dragnet episodes with all the commercials uh, intact for sheer entertainment uh, reasons, the editing is very much appreciated. Uh, well, thank you so much, and that's uh, all on Andrew Rines, who does the uh, editing. On the older podcast, when I first did Dragnet, I did the editing on the first 150 or 200 episodes and uh, was critiqued greatly for it. So Andrew really does do a good job. Um, I also appreciate your interesting and uh, entertaining commentaries. I've clicked on your link for the great detectives and feel like I've discovered a gold mine. Well, uh, thank you so much for your comments and um, I hope, uh, Cameron, that... Uh, the uh, Amazon App Store will work for your needs. All right, well, this is the final day of our listener support podcast series. And remember, you can become a one-time supporter, support.greatdetectives.net. And you can also become a Patreon uh, supporter on an ongoing basis, patreon.greatdetectives.net. And if we hit $600 uh, before April the 1st, we'll bring you a summer series, a special separate podcast. And that's if we hit $600 or more in Patreon donations. A uh, full list of uh, available uh, thank you gifts and uh, donations at patreon.greatdetectives.net. 
All right, well, uh, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow. Uh, we've been remiss with Video Theater, but we'll be right back with an episode of Michael Shane. And then join us back here on uh, Monday for an audio episode of Michael Shane. And next Saturday, another episode of Dragnet. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.